Would you turn this evening to our text, 3 John, 3rd Epistle of John in the New Testament. We've been speaking on Friday evenings on the subject of prosperity proven, prosperity proven. I believe it's at the direction of the Lord. And I believe it is a key thing for us to do right now uh, to help us to develop to the next place and phase of where we're supposed to be as a church. On Sunday, we're teaching on prayer, Sundays. And uh, I believe these two things are what, you know, the Lord ministering to us right now, feeding our faith in these areas. Your faith must be fed in every area of life. And then you must use your faith in every area to develop in every area. Uh, Many, many Christians are whopsided in their development. I mean, they might have strong faith in one area, but no faith at all in another area. Because you got to be fed, uh, for lack of a better phrase, a balanced diet. you got to eat in all the different areas. So the Lord knows best what we require the most at any given time. And I believe he's leading us in this way. I'm excited about this. I got a, in praying today, I got a glimpse of where we're going. And this is vital to it. And I tell you, it's having more impact than we realize. The word always does. It always does. I remember uh, Phyllis and I years ago uh, at Ramah with Brother Hagin. He taught, before there was a church, he taught on uh, Wednesday nights. We prayed. He led to prayer. He taught on Sunday nights. We didn't have a church, but he taught. And Phyllis and I, sometimes we'd look around, and there'd be less people than there aren't here tonight in the big auditorium. And we'd look at each other going, (laughs) you know, Brother Hagin is teaching here. Why don't people know to get in here? But looking back now, I'm thinking about people that I saw that were in those meetings. Several of them have shaken nations. You didn't see it at the time. Oh, but the word was not returning void. It was having an impact and effect. And it took root down and it produced fruit outward. Can you say amen? Amen. And I could just sense while I was praying today that faith is being built in people's hearts. And it's beginning to rise. And it's just going to be common for us to expect financial miracles. Amen. And what used to look big to us will look small and easy to us. We're coming up. Your life goes in cycles like this. I was reminded back uh, some years ago, this has happened more than once in our life, but there was times when our faith for finances was not very strong, and then the Lord took us down a path where we got fed intensely from several different channels over a period of time, and oh man, at the end of that, boy, we were believing for stuff we never thought we'd believe for, and it was happening, it was coming in, and then you go for a while and you realize, oh, I need to get my faith fed again in that area, and you come up to another cycle, and then up to another cycle, another cycle, another level. That's what's happening with us right now. We're actually at the bottom of the cycle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you can imagine about the top, right? I mean, <laughs> but we are. We're at the start of a cycle here. 
Whoo, glory to God. You could go ahead and just be happy by faith. Amen. But let's get to business. Uh, Third John. And let's pray and we'll read the word. Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing in us, how far you brought us, and how much further you plan to take us. Thank you. Thank you for using us, choosing us, blessing us. Enlighten our eyes tonight. Let revelation come and flow. Thank you for utterance, complete and precise. Bring us into the next things. And may the word be established deep in the hearts of us all. So that it takes root down deep and abides and produces fruit, much fruit, and fruit that remains. In Jesus' name, amen. Third epistle of John and the second verse. He said, Beloved, aren't you glad you're his beloved? I wish, or the margin says pray, or some say desire, above all things, above all things, that you may prosper. And, in other words, and that you may be in health, even as your soul prospers. Now, like we've said a number of times before, we believe that this is God speaking to us. Right? How many think it's right to take the Bible personally? And you say, this is the Lord talking to me. Did the Lord tell you that he desired for you above all things that you would prosper? You say, well, brother, now that's just talking about inward prosperity. No, it's not. Because he mentions that at the bottom of the verse. Right? Right? So this has got to be talking about outward prosperity, right? And it's in keeping with the next thing that he said, which is also outward, and that you be in health. Did the Lord tell you that he desired for you above all things that you'd be healthy? Now you may know as well as I do that millions and millions of Christians do not believe what I just said. But did I make this up or are we reading the Bible? Do you take this personally for yourself? That the Lord told you. Everybody said out loud. The Lord told me. me It was his will. will For me to prosper. prosper And to be in health. And And then he told us how it's going to happen. How does it happen? It happens as our soul prospers. Now, some people have thought, well, now that means you got to prosper and develop spiritually first, and then you prosper. No, that's not what he said. That's not what he said. Even as your soul prospers, and we talked about at length about how, you know, prosperity is not just having money in an account or having money in your pocket. In fact, there are rich people, excuse me, poor people with money. They have money, but they're poor. They think like a poor person. They don't want to spend any of it. They hoard it. They hide it. They don't enjoy any of it. They're poor people with money. They haven't prospered in their soul. They've never broken out of the poverty mentality. You know, the Lord's taught Phyllis and I on this sometime back uh, years ago. And just all along in our daily routine, we'll come across something and we'll go, Ah, don't scrimp on that. That's poverty spirit. Ah, throw that raggedy thing away. That's poverty spirit. 
How many know what I'm talking about? And all of us are in the process of getting our mind renewed so that we stop thinking broke. We stop thinking and talking and acting like poor people. And when you prosper in your soul and you begin to see yourself as blessed, as rich, as prosperous, as able, then that's how you're going to prosper on the outside. It's going to be even as your soul prospers. So based on that, we have been teaching on prosperity proven, feeding our faith in this area. And we don't base the entire doctrine on one verse or a couple of verses. The Bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And so we've been going back looking at this witness and that witness and the other witness. We saw as a witness the names of God. We didn't look at all of them, but we looked at El Shaddai. And we couldn't find any poverty in that. We couldn't find any brokenness or poorness in El Shaddai. And then we looked over at Jehovah Jireh. And we couldn't find any brokenness in Jehovah Jireh. We couldn't find any lack in it. And then we begin to ask other witnesses. We saw that Abraham is a witness. Isaac is a witness. Jacob is a witness. Joseph is a witness. Moses is a witness. These men are alive today in heaven. Aren't they? They're not on the earth, but they're in heaven. Very much alive. Just as alive as you. But feeling better. (laughs) This flesh is a drag. (laughs) It really is. (laughs) And uh, uh, I read a book one time about a lady that said she had an experience of being caught up to heaven. And that has happened. And... uh, She told about the things that she saw and what had happened and went on for a long time. And then she said she started feeling so bad. She started feeling, what is that? She's thinking, what is that? Oh, what is that? And realized she was back in her body. (laughs) See, we're used to it because that's all we've known. But, oh, friend, we're going to find some freedom. When these bodies are no longer mortal, they're going to be changed, hallelujah, into immortality, incorruptible. Never again to hurt or to be weak or to be sick or to age, never again. I'm looking forward to that. I'm so glad I'm saved, aren't you? Well, but Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses are in heaven. And if we could transport them down, if the Lord would translate them down to Faith Life Church in Branson tonight, and we could put a microphone and say, uh, Father Abraham, many Christians in the earth do not believe it's God's will for them to be uh, prosperous and rich. Uh, They believe it's God's will for some people to be middle income and a lot of people to be broke. And it's just God's will. And we don't know why, but that's just the way it is. Do you believe that? What was your personal experience when you walked with God? Abraham knew a God who gave him the blessing. Abraham knew a God who made him very rich in gold and silver and cows and stuff, right? On and on and on. If we put the mic in Isaac's face and say, Isaac, you know, many do not believe in prosperity in Christendom today. What do you believe? What was your experience with God? 
He knew a God who made him rich to start off his life. I mean, he started life as a multi-billionaire with a pretty wife. That's what he knew about God. He knew a God who blessed him 100 fold in one year. That's the kind of God he knew. We said, Jacob, what kind of God did you know? Is he a God of prosperity or is he a God of poverty? What kind of God is he? Jacob knew a God who brought him from a stick. (laughs) Right? He had to run away from home because he was a liar and a deceiver, a thief. Right? Through deception, stole his brother's blessing and birthright. A thief and a liar with a stick. That's how he started. He knew a God who revealed himself to him one night when he was sleeping on the ground with his stick. He said, I'm the God of your grandpa and your daddy. I'm the God who keeps covenant. And I'll bless you. I'm going to give you all this land you're laying on. He knew a God. He went over with a stick. He came back with two troops, two companies of family and employees and cows you couldn't count. Gold and silver. He knew a God who brought him from being a liar and a thief to being a prince with God. Hallelujah. What about Joseph? If we said, Joseph, what kind of God is God? How many believe God never changes? If that's the way he was then, that's the way he is now. He never changes. He knew a God who gave him a dream and a vision of ruling and reigning. It didn't look like it was coming to pass. He went from bad to worse. He went from slave to jailbird. Right? Dungeon dweller. He knew a God who didn't give up on him. He knew a God who brought him from the dungeon to ruling a nation. Just like that. He knew a God who brought the wealth of the sinner into his hands and made him wealthy beyond his dreams. And brought his vision to pass that God had given him early on. Right? What kind of God did Moses know? He knew a God who spared his life. He was supposed to be eaten by alligator, crocodiles, you know. He knew a God who saw to it that even though he was slated to be killed and wiped out as an infant, a God who saw to it that from the wealth of the sinner in Egypt, his mama was paid to nurse him. And he was educated with the wealth of Egypt. Right? Trained to be the deliverer God had called him to be. And that was just the beginning of a great deliverance of all God's people out of Egyptian bondage, which involved material financial provision again and again and again and again. I want us to talk about that tonight. That was review for those of you that didn't know. (laughs) Well, we talked about the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. Let's talk about further the God of Israel. Now, when I say Israel, I'm not just talking about the man. Now, I'm talking about the nation that is called uh, Israel. God's first covenant people that you see chronicled in the Old Testament. If you'd turn back, please, to the book of Genesis. Back to the book of Genesis. What kind of God did they know? God who wanted them to be broke and poor? Or a God of provision? A God of riches? 
In Genesis, the 15th chapter, are you there? Genesis. I didn't tell you 15 yet, did I? Well, now you know. Genesis 15. You're going to begin to see something tonight, I trust, that I got stirred up about this afternoon. I got stirred up again and even stronger about it. Uh, I thank God he's helping us in these services. I'm telling you. Have you seen certain pillars uh, have come out? uh, Like the blessing. Right? Does that mean anything to you? Yeah. The blessing. Obedience. You know, how many times we've seen they went where he told them to go. They stayed and they worked and they didn't let something push them out of where they were supposed to be. Primary keys to God's full prosperity coming on your life. You'll see another one here tonight. The Lord told Abraham, whom he appeared to and whom he established his covenant with. In fact, this is the uh, establishing of the covenant between God and Abraham. He had told him, get out of your father's house, go to a place I'll show you, and I will bless you, and I'll make you a blessing. And he did it. Next chapter after that, it said God had made him very rich in stuff, possessions. But here in this 15th chapter of Genesis, verse 1, Genesis 15, 1 says, After these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield, your covering, your protection, and your exceeding great reward. Is God a rewarder? Yes. Anything in the New Testament about him rewarding us? Yes. Remember that, what the Bible say? He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We're going to see a lot more about that in connection with prosperity as we go on. There are numerous scriptures about seeking him and prospering. But he's a rewarder. Everybody say rewarder. 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 And uh, Abram said, let me paraphrase and, and summarize here a little bit. He said, well, Lord, you know, thank you. Thank you. And, of course, he's rich. I mean, by today's standard, he's a multi-billionaire. He said, but I don't have a son of my own flesh and blood to leave this to. As it is right now, one of my employees inherit everything I got. And uh, the Lord told him to go get animals to sacrifice. And he told him what to do with them. Well, this is covenant talk. And then he told him to wait there for him. And he did. And verse 12, when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. Horror of great darkness fell upon him. This was a foreshadowing of some of the things that his descendants would go through negatively. Abram, he said to Abram, know of a surety that your seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them 400 years. And that foretold of the generation after Joseph, the Bible said a Pharaoh rose up that knew not Joseph and began to maltreat the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. And they were in bondage, slaves to the Egyptians for centuries, 400 years. He said, and also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. 
And afterward shall they come out with great substance. Does God care about substance? Does he care about stuff? There are many who tell us that God doesn't care about stuff. He only cares about spiritual things. Substance is what? Stuff. Everybody say stuff. Does God want you to have some stuff? Do you require some stuff? Yeah. There's a lot of things you just cannot do without stuff. Hmm? Let me read. I got it somewhere here. Uh, One translation says, I will bring them out with great possessions. Another one said, I will bring them out with great wealth. Very specific. Now, the Lord told Abram this concerning his descendants when they were doing what? Cutting covenant. Right? The animals were halved and laid out. Blood is spilled. And uh, the Almighty comes down between the halves of the animals in the midst of the blood of the covenant shed, and he tells his covenant partner, there's going to be some bad times for your seed. He said, but, this is covenant talk now, I'll bring them out. How many when God tells you he's going to do something, you can write it down, you can take it to the bank. He said, and when I bring them out, they will not have empty pockets. This is covenant talk. And God, though many would not believe it or they don't imply it in today's talk, God specifically included lots of stuff in the deliverance promised in the covenant established. I'm just getting started here. (laughs) But I am happy about it. Everybody say covenant. Covenant. Here's the question. I'm going to ask you. We're going to keep answering it throughout the evening. Does our covenant with God include possessions? Does it include prosperity? Is it part of the covenant? It was. And it is. And it will be. For he does not change. And what man has a right to change his covenant that he has spoken? Well, the psalmist said, in fact, hold your place here. He said, they'll come out with great substance and go to Psalm 105. Psalm 105. Are you there? Psalm 105. This whole psalm goes step by step talking about how that God's covenant people... You know, God spared them through Joseph and when the famine was going on and then they served in bondage and then he did all the miracles. He uh, sent all his signs and wonders and he delivered them. And in verse 37, at the end of these things, the time that they went out, 
It said, Psalm 105, 37, he brought them forth also. Now let's just stop right there. If you go back and read it, you'll see he told him 400 years. And you'll see time you figure the other things, it was exactly when God told Abraham, I'm going to bring them out. And when he did it, he said, I'm going to bring them out. How? With great wealth, great possessions, great substance. And he did exactly what he did. He said he was going to do. He brought them forth also with silver and gold. Now hold up, hold up. Does God care about that? Now there's a reason I keep stopping and camping. Do you realize that probably the majority of Christianity in the world does not believe what we're talking about here tonight? They don't believe it. I mean, a lot of folk believe, well, you know, God might let you make some money. If you work real hard and you're smart, he might. But when we start talking about it's in the covenant, it's the right of every believer. That's when you lose a bunch of them. They go, oh, no, 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 hold on. That's fanatical. Since when is the Bible fanatical and too extreme to believe? That's why we're taking our time. And we're going one by one by one. We know what Abraham thought. We know what Isaac thought. We know what Jacob thought. We know what Joseph knows. Amen. And what Moses. Now what about the covenant? He brought them out how? With silver and gold. And and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. That sounds like our text, doesn't it? God never changes. If it's his will now that we prosper and be in health, then it used to be his will. That they prosper and be in health, it always was and always will be his will that his people prosper. Silver and gold, stuff, and be in health, physical, right? First thing he did. How many understand all this is typical? That them being in Egyptian bondage is typical of us being under bondage of uh, sin and the power of the enemy. But the Lord brought us out. We're born again and he delivers us out from bondage. Right? And what's the first thing he did? What's the first thing he did when he brought them out? Made them rich and healed them. Made them rich and healed them. Go ahead, try it on for size. Made them rich and healed them. What did he do? Made them rich and healed them. He said, now come on, we got a job to do. Right? Come on, follow me. They had the, you know, the cloud in the daytime and the fire by night. And he was to lead them. And they were a difficult bunch to lead. They didn't follow very good. But the first thing he did is give them money and make them healthy. Now, you know, that's just prerequisite for being able to serve God good. <laughs> did you know that? It is. 
And you'll find, that's one reason, you know, we camp for months on healing. And now we've already been several weeks on prosperity. And we'll keep on talking about these things because these are two big areas where the devil tries to steal. Where he endeavors all the time to rob from the people of God because he knows it is incapacitating. He knows it hinders our service for God. I said, well, I know somebody and they were sick, sick, sick all their life and they love God and serve God. Well, thank God for their perseverance and commitment. But don't tell me they couldn't have done more with a healthy body. Well, I said, I know somebody, Brother Keith, and they were broke, just penniless all their life. But they loved God with all their heart and they served him all their life. Thank God that they did in such difficult circumstances. But don't tell me they couldn't have done more with plenty of money. Now, I know not everybody believes that, but listen, we see it in precedent. We see it in covenant. We see it in Scripture. If you're so sick that you can't get out of bed, how are you going to go do all the will of God that he's called you to do? What if I was so sick tonight that I couldn't have come to church? How am I going to come and preach to you? And not only that, but if you're, maybe you're not, you know, just incapacitated, but you're just weak, you're just feeble. How are you going to keep the schedule that God had called you to? I'm just thinking about myself. I mean, a lot of times you see me show up for uh, service, but you don't know where I've been. <laughs> Man, I liable to have been to Canada, I liable to have been to Seattle, I liable to have been to Miami, I liable to have been to both sides of the country and come back. Especially with our little tool we got now. Change time zones. Sleep in different beds. Eat different food. And then come back and be bright and shiny eyed. Well you can't be sick. Can't be weak. You understand what I'm saying? Don't tell me that I could do more for God with diseases in my body. Nor can you. Nor can anybody. And so I don't care how much money you got. You could have all kind of money, but if you're so sick, you can't even raise your head. How can you work for God like you're supposed to? But what if you're healthy? What if you feel good and you're strong, but you had not got enough money to get a tank of gas to get out of town? <laughs> you're also restricted, right? Your ministry is curtailed. Oh, but friend, healthy, strong, plenty of money, have money, feel good, we'll travel. You ready, man? You, you feel like doing it and you can afford to do it. Do you see what the first thing he did, first thing he did, gave him plenty of money, made him healthy. Plenty of money. Now we're going to see, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but. You plan on coming back? Good. Because I don't think I can get through with everything tonight. Where did they get all the money? You look it up and do the math. I mean, it's billions. Just not long after this, they build the tabernacle that's made out of gold. Where'd they get all that money? Because for 400 years, they've been slaves. There wasn't any millionaires in the bunch. All of them 
slaves. Where did they get all this money? When he brought them out. He brought them out with silver and gold. Is that right? Now let's just stop right here. They also made a gold calf. Where did they get the money to do that? Same thing. When God brought them out, he gave them silver and gold. See, money in and of itself is not evil. You can do either thing with it. You can hurt people. You can be mean. And the more money you got, the meaner you can be. Huh? I'm talking about as far as damage you can do. The more control, it just amplifies what you can do. The more money you got, the more you can express how mean you are in a myriad of ways. Hmm? But if you want to do good things, then the more money you got, the more good things you can do. Right? You can express it on many different levels and farther reaching. Now go back with me, please, to the book of Exodus. Let's go further with this. Tell me how he brought them out. With silver and gold. Now, how are you going to hyper-spiritualize that? <laughs> well, now, brother, that's spiritual. That's spiritual gold? <laughs> spiritual silver? Spiritual cows and sheep and camel? I don't think so. I think kaching, Silver. Money. Gold. Huh? <laughs> That's what he's talking about. Now, uh, in Exodus, are you there? Yes, sir. Exodus chapter 3. We see how it happened. Exodus 3. Stay hooked real good and I'll see how much ground I can cover. Exodus 3. 21. He says how he's going to do this thing. The Lord had revealed himself to uh, Moses and the people. I am that I am. And he sent him now for the deliverance of the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage. It's been four centuries. And he said, among other things, he said, I'm going to do wonders in Egypt. And Exodus 3.21. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty. Why'd he say that? First of all, who said it? God said it. Why did he say it? He had told his covenant man, Abraham, four centuries before. Oh, are you getting this now? He said, I'm bringing them out. And when I do, they will not come out with empty pockets. Has God changed? No. Does he believe in empty pockets nowadays? That wasn't everybody. Do you believe in empty pockets? You know, I think there are probably some churches of the empty pocket. Empty pocket ministries. <laughs> Some worldwide organizations. Empty pocket. Of course, you can't be too worldwide <laughs> with real empty pockets. 
I don't believe in empty pockets. Come on, somebody say it out loud. I don't believe in empty pockets. God doesn't believe in empty pockets. No. No. Keep reading. They shall not go empty. Every woman shall borrow of her neighbor. Now, if you look up that word borrow, I don't know that that's really the best translation. Some 150 times in the Old Testament, that same word's translated ask. I believe that's probably a better rendering. Because, uh, you know, the Lord's not into deception. He didn't tell them, I just want to borrow it for a little bit and I'm going to bring it back. You know, but, no. Ask. How many of you modern translations say ask? Let me see. Yeah, see these hands everywhere. Ask. Every woman ask of her neighbor and her that sojourns in her house jewels of silver. Ask for them. Jewels of gold. Ask for them. And raiment. Ask for it. And you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters and you shall spoil the Egyptians. Hmm. Now, let's read some more about this. Go over to the, let me see what it is, uh, 12th chapter. That's it. Exodus 12. It's in more than one place, but here again. This is when it actually happened and came to pass. 12. After the night when the firstborn of the Egyptians died... Pharaoh called for Moses, verse 31, Exodus 12, 31. He called for Moses and Aaron by night, and he said, Rise up, get you forth uh, from among my people, both you and the children of Israel. Go and serve the Lord like you said, and take your flocks and your herds, as you said, and be gone, and bless me too. Boy, that's a change. Whew. And the Egyptians were urging upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we be all dead men. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. And they borrowed, that word means asked, of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor. Did you hear that phrase now? Oh, this is a biggie. This is a manifestation of the blessing. And it's a manifestation of the covenant. We studied last week about how the wealth of the sinner, the Bible said, is laid up for the just. We saw about three different passages where it said that wicked people might pile up the silver and the gold and fill up closets full of clothes, but the just will put them on. We read again where he said, you know, that God had given the labor and vanity and vexation of gathering and accumulating wealth to the wicked that he may turn around and give it to him who is good in God's sight. This is established principle in the word of God. We've already seen it. We saw it with Jacob. We saw it with Joseph. We saw it with Moses. We're seeing it on a national level here now with millions of people. Here he said, ask. Now, you know, when he first told him this, Moses was standing barefoot by a burning bush. 
There had been no signs. There had been no wonders. And I, you know, just everybody's got a natural mind. Naturally, you think, well, the slaves are going to ask their owners, would you please give me your safe? And they're just going to give it to them? I am so sure. You've been a slave in their house. You've been a slave in their field. And you say, hey, uh, you know that really nice uh, outfit that you always wear? Could I have that? And they're just going to pull it out of the closet and hand it to you. Say, yeah, and take the purse and shoes too. (laughs) Seemed incredible, unbelievable. Hmm? Would you please give me that gold watch and that big ruby ring you have? And you know, I've always liked your horse. (laughs) Could I have your horse and the chariot and the silver beaded uh, bridle, you know, and that nice saddle that you had made? Could I have that, please? (laughs) Huh? See, it sounds ridiculous. But here's how God transfers things. Supernatural. So that favor comes that could have come no other way but by the move of the Lord. And people just look at you and go, okay. You know, I'm going to include you in this. I don't even know why. They might not even like you. But favor, everybody say favor. Favor, favor. God has obligated himself through his covenant to do these kind of things for his people. And even though it seems so far-fetched, it happened where millions of people throughout a whole nation that night, they kept saying, yeah, I'd like that. Could I have that? Could I have that gold? Could I have this? Could I have those jewels? Yeah, please. Could I have the pearls too? Please. Yes. And the Bible said they stripped them. And they left with silver and with gold, rich. Now, they don't know about the tabernacle. They don't know about all that's coming. He told them, your kids will wear it. You'll wear it. And see, some people, you know, they find fault with folk like me. Well, you're a prosperity preacher. Amen. Well, you know, you're talking about material things and natural things. You're to preach about the kingdom of God. He wasn't talking to them about kingdom business right here. But that wealth wound up financing the kingdom. God will use your natural desire for a new car to teach you about faith. Amen. And you'll believe and make your confessions and get that car. And once you learn how to do that, you'll begin to grow. Did you hear me? You'll learn how to believe for your house. But all in there, he's teaching you how to sow to people. And eventually, you grow to where you're not concerned about yourself. You grow beyond the selfishness and you become more and more kingdom-minded. And the principles you learned believing for your car, you now can believe to underwrite a ministry. Did you hear me? It's not separate. It's not one or the other. They're intertwined and linked together. 
Do you see it now? All this money, it was headed somewhere. But they enjoyed some of it too. Right? 400 years, slaves. Wouldn't you like to see a video of the Exodus? They're all leaving. And somebody said, who is that? That's that slave nation. They don't look like no slave nation. <laughs> Since when do slaves wear $5,000 suits? <laughs> Since when do slaves wear $10,000 outfits and, and ride in $100,000 cars? When? Since when? Since about 30 minutes ago. <laughs> Woo! Has God changed? Can he still do this kind of thing? Is it his will to do this kind of thing? Mm-mm-mm. Friend, if you obey God, now things don't always happen overnight. They don't always happen in a week or two. But if you obey God and you stay faithful with him, the blessing is working over your life. And the covenant is in effect and supernatural favor will come to you and influence people around you and people. The Lord has woken people up in Australia and dealt with them to look in a magazine at my picture. They'd never seen me. They didn't know me. They didn't know anything about me. This was 15 plus years ago on this particular thing. To pray for me, they thought, wow, Lord, I don't even know them. And they began praying for me, and the more they prayed for me, the more they liked me. <laughs> Didn't even know why. Never seen me, never met me. And the Lord worked it out eventually to where the Lord used them to give me some huge things. Why would they do that? Why would they come find me half a world away and give me huge stuff? Favor. Favor. I know you think you're wonderful and good looking and all like that. But from the natural, it's just not enough for somebody to look at you and go, Whoo, I got to give them a million dollars. Uh-uh. It takes more than just your natural curly hair or your pretty eyes or your naturally charming demeanor. It takes more. It requires the blessing. And it requires... The favor of God. But you must be actively in faith about this too. Believing for favor. Believing for the blessing to be manifest. So it happened. Just like the Lord said. Now go back with me. To the 6th chapter of Exodus. And let's begin to talk about why it happened. I've already said it. But let's establish it further. Do you see another Tremendous example of the wealth of the ungodly. See, where would all this money come from? People who worshipped the sun god. People who worshipped the crocodile god. The Nile god. In fact, if you go back and study history, all those plagues and signs and wonders was God's demonstration of his superiority over what they worshipped. They worshipped all that stuff. Not God. And they were ungodly and sinners. And they were the wealthiest nation in the world. And God transferred that wealth into the hands of his people. He's done it again and again. Now, in the sixth chapter, 
verse 1. Can you take a little more tonight? Exodus 6, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now shall you see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. That's what we just got through reading about, but I want you to see why God said he did it. God spoke to Moses and said, I am the Lord. Everybody say it out loud. He is the Lord. He said, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by my name, Jehovah, was I not known to them. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them. To what? Give covenant to do what? To give something to them. The land. The land of the pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I've also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have what? Oh, let this sink down into your heart and ears, friend. I have what? Remembered my covenant. Wherefore, say to the children of Israel, tell them, I am the Lord. Tell them, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I'll take you to me for a people, and I'll be to you a God, and you shall know that I'm the Lord your God, which brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you in unto the land concerning which I swore to Abram, to Isaac, to Jacob. I will give it to you for an inheritance. I am the Lord. Can you see, I read all that to say this, can you see what this is to God? To him, it's about doing what he said he was going to do. Keeping his covenant with his people. He said, I'm doing this. Why? Because I said I would do it. Now skip over to Leviticus, the 26th chapter. Now this is rich. We don't have time to go through all this this evening. I'm going to come back and camp on this some later. But in Leviticus 26... Covenant talk. Covenant talk. This is the forerunner of Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28, talking about the blessings and cursings of keeping God's law, are repeating and elaborating on this passage. You understand Deuteronomy comes later. He said, verse 3, Leviticus 26, 3, If... You walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them. Then I'll give you rain in due season. And the land will yield her increase. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Now that was their livelihood. Do you know how to apply things to the current day? You might say, well, I don't have uh, uh, fruit trees. And I don't farm the land. You do something. Right? And the reason you do it is you want it to yield some increase. Right? Do you have any right to the blessing for your stuff to be blessed and to be increased? He said, verse 5, now get this, and your threshing shall reach to the vintage. And the vintage shall reach to the sowing time and you'll eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. What does that mean? What does that mean? Never run out. You never run out. You will not have used up your stores by the time some more is coming in. 
Oh, oh, hallelujah. Come on, come on, come on. Now think about this is covenant. It's covenant. He said, now I've made my covenant with you. Here's your part. You do what I tell you to do, and I'll see to it that this happens for you. Whoo, glory, glory. Do you see why I got stirred up today? I'll give you peace in the land. You'll lie down and none shall make you afraid. I'll rid evil beast out of the land. Neither shall the sword go through your land. That's all belongs to us too. A lot of people do not realize what's going on right now in Iraq and Afghanistan. Some of the people are so foolish. Some of the things they say. They would wait and bring it here. Our brave men and women are fighting terrorism there. To keep it from being here. Hallelujah. Yes. It's amazing how the devil has duped so many people. I mean, these things are going on. So so another soldier died today. I know it's bad. How did they die though? Terrorist attack. Hmm? That's what started this thing. It's amazing how people have they got their eye off the ball. Part of our covenant blessing is that, you know, for years we haven't had major wars fought on our soil. Oh, what a blessing. You know, most people don't even know how to appreciate it. I was in Central America some years ago. There was a military coup. Uh, tanks surrounded the capital, and half the soldiers in the fort jumped out and started shooting back at the half inside. I got up in the middle of the night and got a drink of water, and I heard this popping down in the street just, you know, a hundred yards from where I was staying. And I thought, who's shooting firecrackers at one in the morning? And I thought, that ain't a firecracker. That's an automatic weapon. It's right there. And I had a feeling that I never had at home in Mississippi. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're thinking, I never heard that anywhere in the States. And the police come into your door and you think they're there to help. They're there to strip you, rob you. That happened to some friends of mine over in Africa. Police just showed up at the door. Well, you open the door for the police and they robbed, they stripped their house. Thank God for what we have not had to go through. For decade after decade. And the Lord will give us further peace and prosperity. If we'll serve him and obey him. And he has a covenant people. That will stand up in their covenant rights. Amen. And hold on and say. Now Lord you told us you'd do this for us. And we're believing you. Are you kidding God will do what he said he would do. He said you'll chase your enemies. And they'll fall before you by the sword. Five of you will chase a hundred. A hundred of you put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies will fall before you by the sword. That happened in this initial thing. I'll have respect to you. I'll make you fruitful and multiply you. Now get this. And do what? What's all this to effect? Establish my covenant with you and you will eat old store and bring forth the old because of the new. Look how connected this physical prosperity. He'd already said this, but when he says establishing my covenant, he says it again. 
He said, you'll have so much fine stuff and new stuff that you'll have to pull the old out to make room for the new. Do we believe this? See, we got a whole generation of folk that don't believe this because they've been preached other stuff from the pulpit. Oh, you know, God's teaching you a lesson. He's making you more humble through all this poverty and you know how to serve God better. No, 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 no. It's an easy way to be irresponsible and not use your faith. And just put everything off on God when he's given us responsibility to stand up and say, Ha, this belongs to me. To get excited about it and to say, Glory to God. That's me. That's me. I have so much new stuff coming in. I don't have room to put it all. That sounds like another scripture, doesn't it? Malachi, he'll open the windows of heaven, pour out blessings on you. There won't be room enough to receive them. Phyllis and I have seen a little measure of that. I believe we'll see a big measure of it. But in Tulsa, when I was teaching in the school there, we really got stirred up on these things. We sowed, gave like we'd never given before. We believed and we confessed and thought bigger than we ever thought before. Stuff started coming in. We got a better house. We got a new car. We got another car. We got a motorcycle. We got a boat. We got a this, we got a that. In fact, we got so much stuff. Some people are just giving us something else. And I told Phyllis, I said, I don't know where we're going to put this. She said, I really don't know either. And my neighbors actually came over and they said, the guy told me, he said, I'm jealous. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I told the guy across the street, what else are you going to get? <laughs> he asked me, so what else are you going to get? I said, I don't know. Something good. <laughs> it's coming in. And I didn't steal one widow woman's check or rob one offering from the ministry to get it. It's the covenant. It's the blessing. Now he moved up to a bigger level. It can happen again. And happen again. And happen again. And you just sow it. And here it comes back again. Glory be to God. He said you'll have to bring out the old. You have to pull out that 1999 car. To make room for the 04 model. That's too weak guys. Yeah you got to pull out. Last year's dresses, ladies. Nothing wrong with them. Some of them you hadn't even worn yet. To make room for all the new stuff. (laughs) Some of you are not with me. Well, bless your hearts. Hang in there. Don't give up. Don't quit. (laughs) You know, at our uh, celebration Sunday, we had clothes down in the tent that still had the tags on them. We're going to have a lot more of that. I said, we have a lot more of that. Some people were just astonished. They said, well, this is brand spanking new. they got the tag. Right. Right. Have so much new stuff. But, you know, that was new like three months ago. And I never got around to wearing it. And I had so much more new stuff coming in. I got to pull that out. It's biblical. Scriptural. God spoke it to us in covenant language. Just like he told them, when I bring them out, they will not have empty pockets. Now go with me to Deuteronomy, please. I'm thinking about getting ready to start. Closing. Maybe. Deuteronomy. 7. I think this will mean more to you, having come this way tonight. 
Deuteronomy 7. Has the Almighty covenanted with His people? Does that covenant include material prosperity? Wealth and riches? It used to. Has He changed? Has it changed? Now, you know, a few Fridays back, we camped on this and we looked at it. Does this apply to us at all? Well, yeah, we in Romans, we are called the Israel of God. In Galatians, we are told because we are in faith, we are in the covenant, we are in Christ Jesus. Abraham is our father. How many claim him? He's your father, the father of faith. And you're in Christ Jesus. And because of that, the blessing, Galatians 3, glory to God, the blessing of Abraham is ours. Well, all of this that we're reading is expounding on, elaborating, and effecting the blessing God spoke to Abram. We read it, you know, weeks ago. I will bless you. I will make you a blessing. Next thing you know, he was very rich. So was his kid. And his kid's kid. And his kid's kid's kids. And the whole nation that came out from under him. Even though they got in bondage and were stripped God still said, no, no, that's not the covenant I made with Abraham. He brought him out and made him rich again. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Deuteronomy 7. Amen. I wish everybody believed this. <laughs> and wouldn't fight for their right to stay poor. Deuteronomy 7. Glory to God. He said in verse 6. You are... A holy people unto the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Stop right here. Does this apply to you? The very same language is used in the New Testament. You ever sung about it? We are a chosen generation. Right? We are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation, a peculiar, that doesn't mean weird, it means rare and precious. Right? That's New Testament. Why? Because it's the covenant. The covenant never changes. Right? You know, the Lord said the law that came could not change and stop the promise because the blessing was to Abraham by covenant promise. That the law did not change that, did not alter that, and Jesus has just fulfilled it. Right? And now how is it worded to us? We have a better covenant established upon better promises. Somebody said, well, then it's a completely different one. No, no, didn't say that. It said it's better. Well, if I held up tonight a $50 bill, and I held up a $100 bill in the other hand, and I said, which one is better? $50 bill, $100 bill, which one is better? You say, well, Brother Keith, it all depends. No, it don't depend. One of them is definitely better than the other. There ain't no way the 50 is better than the 100. You say, well, it might be. No, there cannot be. Why? Because the 50 is in the 100. Plus. Yeah. 
Why is our covenant better than theirs? Jesus was made a curse for us. Why? So that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. We got everything he had. Plus, we got everything. We got the prosperity covenant. We got the healing in the covenant. We got the direction and the protection in the covenant. We got all. Plus, plus, we have the Holy Spirit living inside us individually. Plus, our name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Eternal part in ruling and reigning with Him forever. Plus, Got the name of the risen Savior, the name of Jesus, and the authority. That it goes on and on, plus. But the reason it's better, we didn't lose anything. Now, if we had gotten the name of Jesus and authority, we had gotten our name in the Lamb's book of life, but we lost prosperity, then in that area, it wouldn't be better. Hmm? In the material area, this covenant wouldn't be better. If they could be rich under the old covenant... And we're saved, but all of us can't be rich under the new. Then in that area, it's not better. If they could be healed under the old covenant. But we can't be. We got some good things, but we don't have that under the new. Then in that area, it's not better. The word did not say better in some areas. What did he say? Better covenant. What does that mean? There ain't nothing that they had. It's better than what we got. There is no area. Whew, glory to God. Somebody ought to shout out. You've got something right then. Because you've had something over your mind for decades. In that area. Well, that's just for the Jews, Brother Keith. And you've heard unscriptural and unbelieving teaching and preaching. That every time you found something good in the Old Testament. Well, that's Old Testament. That's just for the Old Covenant People. Well, then you're saying that there are areas of our covenant that's not as good as theirs. That's right. That's right. Cannot be. We did not lose any good thing by the coming of Jesus. We did not lose any good thing by the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of the Master. No, we got everything they ever had. Plus, plus, plus. About preach myself happy here tonight. Whoo, you better keep reading. Special people. Who's he talking about? The Lord did not set his love on you or choose you because you were more in number than any people. You were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, number one, and what? He would keep the oath. Oh my. Why'd you get picked? Why? Why did all these things happen to you? Because he loved you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers. Has the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of the bondman from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt? Know, therefore, that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God which keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. That's why we're coming up financially. Because we got a covenant keeping God. 
<laughs> That's why I can't stay down. Because I got a covenant keeping God. Amen. Ooh, glory. 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 Verse 12. Wherefore it shall come to pass. If you hearken to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord your God will keep to you the covenant and the mercy which he swore to your fathers, and he will love you and bless you you and multiply you. He'll bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land, your corn, your wine, your oil, the increase of your kind, the flocks of your sheep. Now just stop. Can you add to the list? They didn't have stock. They didn't have computer businesses. They didn't have all these other things. In that day, it would have been on the list. But whatever you're into, whatever your field of endeavor is, hmm? put it right there now. Put it right there. The Lord will love you. He'll multiply you. He will bless the fruit of what you are and what you do. You'll be blessed above all people. You'll be blessed above all people. You'll be blessed above all people. You'll be blessed above all. All people. All people. Well, nobody be more blessed than you. Nobody. Nobody will be more blessed than you. Y'all laugh when I say it, but I say it all the time. I sit in my house and look out the window and I say, the blessed people call us blessed. We so blessed. The blessed people call us blessed. Huh? Everybody say blessed above all people. That's me. Blessed above everybody. Now see, all of us can be blessed above all other people, everybody that will believe. But there's some that won't. So we'll be more blessed than them. Just a fact. He said, there shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cows and dogs and cats. The blessing flows all the way down to Fido. And Skippy the cat. I didn't make this up. There it is. I wish you could read some of the letters we get in the ministry sometime of people, miracles that have happened for their horses and their cows and their dogs and their cats, parakeet. Yeah. I'm blessed. All my stuff is blessed. Everything I have is blessed. Amen. Why? Because the blessing is on me. And so everything that pertains to me is blessed. Flows right on down. Amen. Amen. This church is blessed. Every seed is blessed. Every member of this church is blessed. Every blade of grass and every leaf out there in the parking lot is blessed. The cars that drive back and forth to go to service here are blessed. The houses they go back to are blessed. The doors they walk through are blessed. The mats, the chairs, the couches, the carpet, the pot, the pan, the fork, the spoon. Blessed. 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 (laughs) It do you good just sit in your rocking chair and go blessed. 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 I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Nobody can curse me. 
He said, and the Lord will take away from you, verse 15, the Lord will take away from you all sickness. Now, this sounds familiar. I've read this before somewhere. Recently. Prosperous and healthy. Silver and gold, not one feeble. Bless, bless, multiplied, and take away all sickness. I like it. It's covenant. And it's mine. I'm glad I came tonight out to preach this just for me. Because I wanted to hear it again. In closing, I think. Deuteronomy 8. Anybody got any verses marked in Deuteronomy 8? Mm-mm-mm. He told them about how he kept them. I think we'll go into this maybe next week some. About how their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out. He rained uh, bread out of the sky. Water out of the rock. Flew in fresh quail without an airplane. (laughs) Miracle after miracle after miracle. And he said. Verse 6. Therefore. You shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Now let's just stop right here. Why do that? We just got through reading just a few verses back. He said, you do this. This is your part of keeping the covenant. That I may do this. Does this apply to us today? It does, but it's simplified. The Bible says in 1 John 3. First epistle of John 3, it talks about that if we keep his commandments, that we receive whatever we ask of him. And this is his commandment, that we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we love one another. And more than one place in the New Testament tells us that all the commandments are fulfilled in this, faith and love, right? So it applies to us, but it's not a matter of us trying to check off every ordinance and every commandment. You walk in faith and you walk in love and you're keeping your part of the covenant. Gives God the right to keep his part and do what he said he would do for you. Sounds simple, but how many know it will keep you busy all day and night walking in faith all day long and walking in love all day and all night long? But keep reading. He said, for the Lord of God is going to bring you into this good land. Verse 7, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates and olive oil and honey. What does that sound like? What are they thinking? What does that sound like to them? They didn't have dollar bills. They didn't have five and ten and twenty dollar bills. Their currency wasn't like that. They had some gold and silver and some stuff. But a wealthy man was what? A man that had plenty. He had crops. He had flocks. He had herds. Not stocks and options and bonds and this and that. No, no. So he's talking about prosperity. He said, verse nine, a land wherein you shall eat bread without Scarceness. You shall not lack anything in it. 
a land whose stones are iron, out of whose hills you'll dig brass. When, not if, when you have eaten and are full, then you'll do what? You'll bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Now skip down to verse 17 because he warns them. He said, it's going to happen now. You're going to be rich. You're going to be blessed. But verse 17, he warns them that you don't say, my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. He had already told them, you know, earlier, he said, this hadn't happened to you, all this deliverance and all these miracles, because you were the mightiest of all people, or the most special of all people. He said, it happened to you because I loved you and I made a covenant with your father Abraham. Yeah. And he says, all this is going to happen to you. You're going to be blessed. You're going to have riches. You're going to have plenty. He said, but don't get to thinking. It's because you were so smart and because you worked so hard. But because of what? What's the next verse? Because of what? Why did it happen? You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he that gives you power to get wealth. Now, what do you do with that? God gives you power to get wealth. Hmm? I want to say it again. God gives you power to get wealth. That's not what some wild-eyed preacher told you at that Faith Life Church. That's what thus saith the Lord. Let me read you another translation of that. One says this, it says, remember, it's God who gives you the power to become rich. Hmm? The power to become rich. And he goes on to say why. Why does it say right here? That he may establish his covenant. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Is there a covenant of God that includes riches? Yes. yes. <laughs> Wealth? Yes. Am I reading it right? Yes. Gives the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Amen. Hallelujah. My, my, my. The rest of that verse I just read to you, the New English Version, it said, remember, it's the Lord your God who gives you the power to become rich. He does this because he is still faithful today to the covenant he made with your ancestors. I rest my case tonight, friend. Glory to God. I have a covenant. I have a covenant. It includes riches. It includes wealth. I have a covenant. Stand on your feet, please. Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. I have a covenant. I have a covenant. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.